couple weeks ago, I started a series and called it Covenant, the Pursuit of God. And my real desire is, 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 uh, is that out of this series, it really does create a hunger and a freshness in your view of God and a hunger for us to know who God is. And probably, whether you guys know this or not, and you don't hear these kind of words from me very often, but whether you guys know this or not, over the last couple of weeks, you've been getting deep theology about who God is. You really have. You've been learning. We've been learning the character of who God is. And, and here's what we need to understand is before we can ever begin to live the Christian life uh, to its fullest extent, completely living it the way God wants us to live it, we have to understand who this God is that we serve. We've got to understand what his character is like, how he operates, how he thinks, what makes him who he is. And that's really what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks, and we're going to continue on with that there. The very first week, we just kind of did a, did a little study and laid the foundation of, of what is a promise, because what we're really talking about is God's promises, that the Bible is completely valuable from the front to the back, right? That every passage, every verse, um, every book and every chapter has value, is immensely valuable to you, but inside of that... There's these kind of diamonds, these things that just are like mountain peaks, and and they're the promises. And by the way, there's hundreds of promises all through Scripture. And so we talked a little bit about what is a promise, and here's what we learned about God the first week, is that by nature, God is a promiser. It's just who He is. He doesn't have to promise us anything. Um, He doesn't doesn't, uh, need to promise us anything. He's not obligated to promise us anything. But yet, God, Almighty God, your Creator, gives each of us, all of us, all of these promises all through Scripture. And that God is different than you and me, that there's some times when we make promises, all of us, there's times when we make promises and the next day or even 10 minutes later we're like, oh man, I don't know why I promised that. You know, and we overcommit and we're like, man, why did I tell that guy that, that I would do that and I wish I wouldn't have done that. And sometimes we break promises, sometimes we do it intentionally, but many times we break promises unintentionally, right? And we learn that God is also never like that. God never regrets a promise. God has never promised anything in all of Scripture and then later said, man, I wish I wouldn't have promised that. I don't know what I was thinking. God, is, God loves his promises. And not only does he never regret them, God never breaks his promises. He always comes through. And these promises that we're looking at kind of follow, um, they're kind of, uh, 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 they kind of, come one after another as we're looking at them over these couple of weeks. And the, the first promise that we, uh, that we talked about is that I never have to fear. Right? And we talked about how powerful fear is in our lives and how so many of us struggle with fear. And maybe it's our number one problem in a lot of ways. But we don't have to fear because God is with me. And the Bible promises that he'll always be with me. That he's literally with me. And so we look at that promise and we say, man, that's a great promise. God's with me, right? And, but what does that mean? I mean, if he's with me, what is he doing, right? I mean, what does that, what does that look like? And so last week, that kind of led into last week, which is, which is in this thing that, that I never have to doubt because God's in control. He's not just with me, but he's in control, 
I don't have to fear. God's with me. I don't have to doubt. He's in control. And ultimately, He is in control. Okay, so it's great that God is with me. It's great that He's in control. And it's kind of like this. It's kind of like we're in a canoe, right? I'm in the front of the canoe, and God's in the back of the canoe, and He's kind of in control. I mean, He's steering the canoe, and and, I mean, He really is. But here's the reality, maybe for some of you, and again, like I prayed in my prayer, for some of you, maybe this is your reality right now, and for some of you, it's not so much your reality right now. Maybe it has been in the past, and I promise you, it will be in the future at some point for all of us probably. And then all of us know someone that this is the reality. I'm in the front of the canoe. God's in the back of the canoe. He's with me. He's in control. But it sure like looks like we're headed over a falls. It doesn't look very good. In fact, I'm pretty sure we're going to go over that falls. Or maybe for some of you, we're going over the falls. My nephew Kirby was a chief at the boys' camp in Westminster. And they go on these river trips where they take their group of boys, I don't know, maybe 10, 10 to 12 boys. And in a lot of ways, these boys are pretty dysfunctional. And two chiefs will take these boys on a river trip for a week or whatever. And they were on a river trip here a couple of weeks ago and had, I think, three or four canoes, maybe four canoes with all of their gear, all of their boys. I don't remember the name of the river, but all I remember is Kirby was telling me about this. And he said, we were on this river and we were supposed to get to this one place and get off of the river and carry our canoes and all of our gear around this class four rapids because it was too dangerous for us to go over in a canoe. Well, they missed the spot for them to get out of the canoe. And all four canoes went over class four rapids and it was maybe even worse rapids because they had just got a lot of rain, the river was high, and they all went over this rapids. Only one of the canoes made it through the rapids without capsizing. All the other canoes completely tipped over and they had boys in gear all over the river. He said it took them almost four hours to get all their boys back together, to get all their gear back together. They had boys out in the middle of the river stranded on rocks. They had gear way downstream, and they just had this horrendous mess. And maybe that's where you feel like you're headed. It's like, okay, God's with me. He's in control, but we're not getting out. I mean, it looks like we're just going to go straight through, and we're going to go right over the top. And I know that this is a reality for all of us, is either it has been that way in the past, right? Something happened, it's like, God, why did you let that happen? I thought you were in control. Well, we went straight through the rapids. And you know what? I didn't stay in the boat. And it leads us to this promise today. And this promise number three. And that promise is this. The negative part of this is I will not despair Because God is good. I will not despair. God is good. Psalms 27, 13 is an amazing verse. And it comes from a man who the Bible tells us was a man after God's own heart. He was not perfect by any means. But here's his verse. Here's what what David says. He said, I would have despaired. In other words, I was headed that way. 
Despair was calling my name. He said, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness, the goodness, unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So you know what our problem is as people? You know what we struggle with? We can kind of buy into these promises and say, okay, God is, uh, um, God is with me and I won't be afraid. God's in control, I get that. And okay, God is good, but it's so hard for us. I mean, we kind of get it, but it's so hard for us to get our hands around it and just believe it. If we could just see the end, right? If we could just know that, okay, we're going to go over the rapids, it's going to be really tough. If I could just see the end, if I would just know, if I would just know that I know that I know that at the end, it's going to be awesome. And everything's going to be good. And it's all going to be better. And it's all going to end. Isn't it our problem is we can't see the end result. And it's hard. If we could just see the end, if we could just see the other end of the struggle, if we could just see the, the, the healing, and we know that it's there, it would make things so much easier. If we would have an assurance of the outcome, if we would have 100% assurance of the outcome, it would make life easier. If I could just know. But here's the reality is we can't know the outcome completely because we don't know the future. But what we can know is God's promises. We can know God's promises. And we can know that God is good 100% of the time. Whether you can see it right now or you can't see it right now, see, God's good. He's a good God. Let me just say this about despair. This is a heavy, heavy, heavy word. Okay? This word despair is not, okay, I'm a little bit depressed. This word despair is a word, it's a place that you don't want to go. You really don't. And you don't want the people around you to go there. It's deep, and it's cold, and it's dark. That's what David is talking about. The dictionary, in fact, describes despair this way. Some dictionaries, destitute of positive expectation. It's a place where you've lost complete hope. It's a place where you or someone you know has bought into the lie that things will never be better. It's always going to be the same. What has happened, I can never get him back or I can never get her back. Maybe it's a death. Maybe it's something financial. Life will never be the same. It's completely irreversible. And the way I feel and the way things are right now will always be. And there is no expectation of anything ever getting better. There is a, it is a place of no hope. Complete and utter despair. That's what David's talking about. That's what we're talking about. That's what I'm talking about today. And David is, David is saying, listen. He said, I was headed that way. 
It's exactly what David said. Listen, I heard despair calling my name. And you know what I know is true is some of us have been there. Right? Or maybe we're there right now. We've, and despair is calling our name. And it's kind of like, I'm just about ready to just throw in the towel. I'm tired. I can't do it anymore. And David is saying, I've been there. That's where I was. And I would have despaired if it hadn't been for the fact that I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David is very honest. He's gut-level honest about where he had been and where he was. Despair is kind of like, I don't know if you've ever been into a really deep cave. I remember going into a really deep cave with my parents, and I might have been 13 or 14 years old, and I've never done it. I've never been in a cave since, and some of you may have done this many times, but I remember I'm a little bit claustrophobic, and I'm not really good with direction. Like, my dad thinks he can be in the middle of the earth in complete pitch blackness and still know what direction earth is, even though he worked, walked in a circle for 20 minutes, you know, and he still thinks, he still has a sense of direction. Whether he's right or wrong, he has a sense of direction. I'm a little bit lost. Like, I'll get off the interstate, go to the gas station, and when I pull out of the gas station, I'm like, which direction do I go? That's kind of how I am. Um, but I remember going into this cave with my parents, and as we went deeper and deeper and deeper into the cave and wound around, as I began to lose all sense of direction and kind of where we were. And we just kept going further and further into the cave with his people, and it kept getting darker. They had lights, but it kept getting darker, darker, damper and damper, and colder and colder. And then once we got all the way in there, they turned the lights completely, like they turned everything off. And I had never experienced utter and total and complete darkness until that moment. And it was, it was black. I mean, like there was not a hint of light. You couldn't see, I mean, you couldn't see your hand. That's kind of what I think of when I think of despair. It, it, you do not want to go there. This is very serious. David is saying, I would have despaired in your outline. I would have despaired unless I had believed. What did he believe? See, here's the wonderful thing about those of us that are born again and are Christians and have Jesus on our side and have a God. Is we have something to get a hold of. We have something to believe in. David said, I would have despaired. If it wouldn't have been for this one thing, it was the only thing that saved me, and it was the fact that I believed in the Word of God and in who God is. That's it. And see, all of us need something that we can get a hold of, something to believe in. A faith that is focused. Not just a blind faith, oh, I believe. No, a focused faith. And it's based in the Word of God. Here's the thing. Sometimes you're at a place where there is just nothing that you can do about it, right? It is just what it is. And it's completely out of your hands. You've done everything you can. You've said all the words that you can. You've tried everything you know. And it's just completely out of your hands. That's when it gets hard. And that's when it gets desperate. When you can't do anything at all, you need to let God do it for you. That's a lot easier said than done. But when you can't do anything about it, you let God do it for you. Look at this verse. 
Exodus 14, a couple of verses in Exodus 14. It says, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. Verse 14, this amazing verse, the Lord will fight for you. Do you know that? The Lord will fight for you, and here's my job, and here's your job. You need only to be still. Another translation says you only, you, you only need to be, just be silent. Just zip it up. For some of us, we need to go like to a pet store and buy a muzzle and put it on. And, you know, you read that verse and it's like, okay, all I have to do is be silent. That can be the hardest thing for us to do. And here's what he's saying. He says, listen, I'll fight for you. Your job is to just be still. You just shut up. And I'll fight the battle for you. It's exactly what he's saying. When you can't do anything about it, when you can't change it, when it's been done, God says, listen, I'll take care of it. All I want you to do is just be still. Psalm says, be still and know that I am God. It doesn't say be active. It doesn't say go do all kinds of things on your own. It doesn't say try to change things like crazy on your own. It says be still and know that I am God. My job is to be still sometimes. Isaiah 30 verse 15, it's not in your outline or on the overhead. It says this. It says in quietness and confidence is your strength. It's amazing how many times in Scripture... It links our ability to be still and quiet to the presence of our Heavenly Father. Over and over and over it does. It's so hard for us to quiet our lives sometimes and to be still and to be quiet. We tend to get hurried and busy and have noise all the time. What did David believe in? He said, listen, I would have despaired if I hadn't believed. Here's what he believed in. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see. That I believed I would see. I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it with my own eyes. Not my children. Not my grandkids. Not someone else. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord. It's going to happen. I'm going to experience it. I'm going to be there. I'm going to know it. It's not like... 150 years from now when I'm gone, it's, it's not going to be after I'm dead. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord. The question for you and me again is seeing the end result. And we're going to say, okay, but when am I going to see it? When is it going to happen? When is it going to go from when? When is it going to go from where I believe in God till I receive from God? I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord when? In the land of the living. I already talked about that a little bit. It's going to happen while I'm still here. It's not always going to be this painful. It's not always going to be this bad. The circumstances aren't always going to be the way they are. If I follow God faithfully, if I claim His promises, if I live the way He wants me to live, if I have a focused Faith, I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That means I'm going to experience it. I'm going to see it. I'm going to know it. 
There's a hope of something better. And for some of us, there's a hope that there will be healing. And there's a hope that the pain will subside. And there's a hope, really, that ultimately, one day, I'm going to understand. Because you know what? I know it was horrible, and I know it was bad, and and I know I'm still going to go through things, but I know that I don't have to fear because he's with me. I know I don't have to doubt because he's in control. And I know that I don't ever have to despair because even if I can't see it now, my God is good. He's a good God. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see it, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Here's what we need to understand. We need to understand this as people and as Christians. And I believe this with everything in my heart. All of us, every single one of us, is going to go to the school of suffering at some point. We never, like I heard one guy say, he said, we never enroll in it. We never fill out an application and say, I want to go. We just somehow end up there, don't we? And you know what? It is God's way of shaping us and changing us. Here's the sad part. Is there are some who never graduate from the school of suffering. They fail. And they don't make it through. You know what I heard one guy say? Uh, you guys have probably heard this before. He said, is, there has never been any person who has done anything great for Jesus Christ or for God that has not suffered greatly or been wounded by God immensely beforehand. I think that's true. You guys have heard of A.W. Tozer, right? Do you guys know the story of A.W. Tozer? Other than his writings and everything that we know that was successful about his ministry and everything that was good, he suffered greatly. A.W. Tozer led a church that had immense strife and discontentment and fighting in the church for years. He was opposed greatly by the people around him. And in his writings and in his private journals, he suffered like none other. And yet his ministry is one of the most impactive ministries of any man. And you could go through a list of great men that we look back to that have amazing ministries, and we celebrate what they did. They had, they had amazing things that they went through and suffered from. You know what? You know what God does? And some of this is so hard to understand and and I hesitate to some say some of this cuz I know it almost raises more questions than it than it answers, but that's okay. You know guys know the story of Job, right? We know the story of Job. And the evil one comes to God and he says, "Hey, your your servant Job is if if he wouldn't have everything that he has and if life wouldn't be so good for him, he would walk away from you." And God said, no, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. Here, I'm getting ahead of myself. Here's what I want you to... No, I am ahead of myself, but I'm going to tell you anyway. 
See, I'm going to talk about this a little bit. God knows who trusts him. Do you know that? God knows exactly if you trust him or if you don't. We don't know that of each other. I can kind of have an assumption, and I can kind of believe that, that something is so-and-so, but I don't really know, do I? I mean, you can come to church, and you can sing the songs, and you can clap, and you can pray the prayer, and you can do all of the things, but I don't really honestly know if you're trusting your Heavenly Father today completely. But you know that God knows, and we're going to look at a passage Later on, it says God knows those who take refuge in him or those who trust him. He knows. He knows if you trust him or not. And here's the thing. The evil one comes to God and says, hey, what about Job? And if I'd strip everything away and all this stuff would happen to him, he'd walk away from you in a heartbeat. And God said, no, he wouldn't. I know his heart. And I know that Job trusts me and believes in me, so you go ahead and do whatever you want to do. But I know that his heart is going to be faithful. Now, I don't understand how that all works, but here's what I know is that, listen to me, everything that has ever happened to you or is happening to you right now has been signed off by your Heavenly Father. Did you know that? He didn't cause it. He didn't dream it up and say, okay, I'm going to do this. But he allowed it to happen. And here's why he allowed it to happen. Because he said, okay, you see her? She's faithful. I know that she's going to trust me. He knows if you trust him or if you don't. And so when you go through things, when, when suffering comes and trials come, listen, your heavenly father is not uninvolved. Don't blame him. He didn't cause it, but he signed off on it because he has confidence in you as his son and as his daughter to remain faithful. All of us are going to go through or have gone through and will go through the school of suffering. All of us. The question is, will we graduate or not? Let's talk about, let's finish out with this here. Let's talk about real quickly God's goodness. Some things that are important about a fa- the facts about God's goodness. Number one, God's goodness is meant, is, God's goodness is something he wants us to experience. Okay, we, we already talked about that a little bit. But he wants us to experience it. Look at this verse, Psalms 34 verse 8. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I don't want you to just know it. I don't want it to just be head knowledge. I want you to experience it is what God says. I want you to taste it. I want you to live in it. That's why David says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see it, that I would experience the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's an amazing promise. It's an amazing promise. God wants us to taste it, to experience it personally. For me, it's for me, and it's for you. Number two, the goodness of God is the eventual conclusion of every generation of his followers. Let that sink in. The goodness of God is the eventual conclusion, the eventual end the eventual reality of every generation of his followers. 
Psalms 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Every generation. If you walk faithfully, you will see the goodness of your Heavenly Father. Have you ever, listen, have you ever met an 85-year-old couple or an old man or an old lady that has walked faithfully with God and would ever say God's not faithful? Never. Every older person, every older couple that has walked faithfully with God would say God is good. And see, here's what I'm saying here is one day you will say it if you walk faithfully. One day you will say God is good. It's not always been easy. It's been hard sometimes. And, and I've wondered sometimes. But you know what? Ultimately, what I've found out is God's good. He's a good God. Number three, God's goodness is present in everything that he does. It's not just a few things. It's not just a couple of things. It's everything he does is saturated with his goodness. Psalms 145, verse 9, it says, The Lord is good to all. His mercies are all over all of his works. Number four, the goodness of God. And here's where we struggle so desperately sometimes. The goodness of God is not immediately apparent sometimes. Or should I even say, you could almost say, the goodness of God is not immediately apparent a lot of the times, or almost all the time. When bad things happen. You know what? I was challenged kind of on, on this year. Some of you know Sam Henry and Katrina Henry, and some of you don't. But Katrina, just to give you an update, Katrina did have a major stroke on Wednesday. You guys correct me if I got some of the mistakes, uh, uh, some of the details wrong. But a major stroke on Wednesday and was really in critical condition, ended up at the hospital, but over since Wednesday to now has made significant progress and is actually recovering much quicker and better than the doctors and the neurologists ever expected. So God has been answering prayers. But um, she's still going to be in intensive care till Monday, and then I think there's a lot of therapy, and there's still some things they really have to go through, so you guys continue to pray. But I was challenged by the update that Sam Henry sent because he went through, uh, he's, he's actually kind of a writer, so he wrote this big, long kind of, updated what had happened and everything was going on. And then at the bottom, he had a section and he said, here's the things that we have been blessed with and we've seen God be faithful in. And I thought, wow. In the middle, in the middle of that, and he listed like five things. He said, God is da-da-da and da-da-da and all these things that they've seen the hand of God and they're so thankful and blessed with. That's challenging. Sometimes it's not immediately apparent, right? Especially when things take the wrong direction. Especially when your worst nightmare comes to fruition. Or the worst that you can imagine happens. Many times it's not immediately apparent. Then it says this, here's this kind of this theme again of being silent and waiting. It says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. That's hard. Wait for him. Wait for him instead of getting bitter, instead of getting cold, 
instead of going to a dark place. Just wait for him. When he says, I'm good, for, I'm good to those who wait for me. Number five, the goodness of God is a refuge. Here's what I talked about a little bit ago. The goodness of God is a refuge, and he knows those who trust him. He knows if you trust him or not. He knows if you trust him or not. Nahum 1 verse 7, it says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who take refuge in him or those who are trusting in him. Listen, if difficult things come your way, your heavenly Father must have lots of confidence in you. And again, I don't know how that all works, and I don't know how you balance all of that out, and we're never going to figure it all out, but you can take, you can take, I think you can take so much comfort in it. It's like, well, God had, God trusts me enough to walk through this, and he believes in me enough to allow me to, to, to be his person through this. He knows those who take refuge in him. Here's what we need to understand. Two promises and then I'll be done. Two promises. First one is this, is God has a plan for your life. You guys hear this all the time. You hear me say it all the time. It's kind of a Christian thing that we say at churches to make each other feel good. Well, God has a plan for your life. Well, let me just, let me just clarify that a little bit. It's not so much about, the plan is not so much about I'm going to live in South Carolina and I'm going to go to Lifeline and I'm going to work wherever it is. That might be a part of it, but you know what God's plan really is? It's about who he's making you and wants you to become. That's his plan. He has a plan, not so much about the little details of your life, although he cares, but his ultimate plan is about who you're becoming. Okay? His plan is about what your character is, and he's shaping you and he's changing you because he has a plan for who he wants you to be. That's his plan. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is a very... Very, very familiar verse. One of my favorite, and I know it's some of you, same thing for some of you. It says, for I know, for I know the plans that I have for you. Listen, if you research this word, this isn't just a light word either, either here in the Hebrew. It means that I know that I know that I know. I know the plans that I have for you. It's not just an idea. It's not just abstract. God is saying, listen, I know that I know. I know exactly. I know exactly the plans that I have for you. And then he goes on to describe them. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. One version says plans for wholeness. Isn't that amazing? Plans for wholeness. I have plans to prosper you or for wholeness and not to harm you. Other versions say, and not for evil. And then he finishes with maybe the best promise that we can talk about today. One of the best. I have plans to give you hope and a future. I have a future for you. I have a future for you, and I have, I, I have plans to give you hope. And that hope is talking about this. It's a confident, faith-filled confidence of something better ahead. Something better ahead. Confident hope 
of something better ahead, that it's going to be better, that it's not always going to be like this. And then kind of the New Testament version of that same verse, which is our memory verse for this week. It says, and we know, Romans 8, verse 28, and we know, I know, I know that I know, that in all things, that's everything, all, all things, the good, the bad, the pretty, the ugly, whatever it is, all things, God is doing what? He works for the good of those who love him. It's conditional. Listen, this promise is for those of us that have walked or walking by faith. It's for those of us that have stepped across the line of faith and have accepted Jesus Christ and made him Lord of our lives. It's very clear. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good, notice the word, for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In closing, God is working all things together, number one, for my good, all things, everything you're going through right now, whatever it is, God is working for your good, and number two, for his purpose. For your good and for his purpose. He's a good God. Let's pray.